This is the Human-Centric Investing Podcast with John Deal, where we look at the world of investing through the eyes of our clients. Over to you, John. Hello, financial advisors. This is John Deal, Senior Vice President of the Applied Insights Team at Hartford Funds. Welcome to Episode 38 of the Human-Centric Investing Podcast. Joining me for today's podcast is Kevin Nichols, Director of Coaching and Social Media at the Oxley Institute. Welcome to the podcast, Kevin. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. The Oxley Institute does research on affluent investors and elite advisors, and they're able to help us understand what's working and what isn't when it comes to financial advisor marketing. And today we're going to be talking about a specific area of the content that we've created with the Oxley Institute titled The Affluent Digital Code. And you can find information about this content and an advisor workbook at hartfordfunds.com slash code. Again, that's hartfordfunds.com slash code. Now, I do want to mention to everyone listening on the podcast that prior to implementing any of the strategies referenced in the content, please consult with your firm's legal and compliance teams about their social media policies and required participation in social media programs. It seems everybody has a different view And all those views are legitimate because this world of social media, although not new in the world of financial services and how we use it, is, I would say, still a developing field, especially for uh, firm by firm and different compliance views of it, so on and so forth. So please make sure that that you check with your own legal and compliance teams uh, before you jump into any of these strategies. So, uh, Kevin, tell us a little bit about your affluent digital research and and who did you survey for this particular content that we're talking about today? Yeah, John. So, I mean, if you're familiar with Oxley, we do a lot of research projects, right? We research affluent investors, we research elite advisors and so forth. And this was a study where we actually researched 403 affluent investors with at least 500,000 or more in investable assets. So for most advisors, you know, they're going to be what they would consider, you know, you know, good ideal clients. Now, as we go through this today, one of the things that we did is we broke down the respondents into three different age groups. You have an under 45 category, you have a 45 to 65 category, and you have an over 65 category as well. So like as we go through some of the data today, you're going to notice that we're going to break it down by different age brackets. And and what what are you what were you trying to discover when you look at that specific group of clientele? Yeah, I mean we wanted to uncover you know just overall trends uh, in online usage. I think that that's the main thing and then how advisors are, are searched for online, um, how advisors build more awareness online. And then ultimately, if you can kind of reverse engineer this and you can say, okay, well, this is how the affluent are using digital, right? Then we should be able to go back and say, well, this is how we should be marketing our services to them. So that, that's the end goal is, is to, to have that, that back-end data and to say, look, this is how they use it. So like, let's tailor our marketing to them. So why don't, let's, uh, let's start right there then, Kevin. Let's talk about what you found out about how affluent consumers are actually using social media. How much, like for example, just to start with, how much time do affluent consumers spend on social media? You know, more time than you might think. You know, um, it's it's funny because, you know, historically when you look at any sort of research, you always think about, you know, what's the first screen, the second screen, the third screen. I mean, I'd, I'd venture to say that the first screen nowadays is typically someone's phone, right? And they're, they're spending way more time on digital 
than, than you might imagine. Now, the uh, 74% of the over 65 groups, so 74% of them basically said that they're on there every day. And I mean, I mean, you talk about a captive audience, right? Um, they're on their phones, right? They're maybe on their desktop or their laptop. Um, 43% of the under 45 category spend more than an hour every single day on, on digital, on social media, right? They're, they're surfing the web. They're looking at Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn. They're, they're all over this stuff. Um, and you know, I mean, it's, it's just, again, they're, they're on here, they're using it. And so the challenge for advisors is how are we going to get some of that, um, that attention, right? This is all about attention. Uh, and it used to be kind of older means of, of advertising. Maybe it's direct mail or maybe it's a billboard or, I mean, it's the funny thing about billboards is I had actually an advisor call me about that the other day and said, Hey, I want you to take a look at this ad that I created for my, a billboard in my town. And I, I mean, it looked nice, uh, but I was like, you know, the sad and scary thing about this is that if you really take a look at what people are looking at when they're driving down the road, they're, they're on their phones. It's like, it's a scary, it's a scary thing. Right. But, um, we're almost, we're addicted to these devices. Uh, and our research shows that look, the, the affluent are, are no different. They're, they're on here. Uh, and they are, you know, they're the captive audience. Well, it's funny you use a term like a billboard, right? If I if I relate that to another term that would make that advisor kind of interested, billboards think about traffic and how mm. much traffic in any given day would drive past that billboard versus how much traffic, as you just described, would engage on social media, right? Oh, you're you're so right. Um, and it's. Um, you know, and I'm sure the, the whatever billboard or advertising company can give you some data on how much traffic is, how many eyes or impressions are made on that billboard every day. But, you know, through digital and we'll get into advertising and such today, but we'll actually be able to see specifically how many people have seen an ad. Right. Like being able to quantify some of that, um, it actually becomes a lot easier with digital marketing. Wow. And so I know when it comes to social media, and I got to share with you right up front, Kevin, I am I am not a social media guru, <laughs> but I do know it's all about platforms. And, you know, we as advisors, we hear all the time about, you know, Facebook and LinkedIn and and, you know, nobody under 40 knows what Snapchat is. But are there favorites among affluent consumers when it comes to what platform of social media they they participate in? Yeah, when, when we took a look at some of this data, um, and, you know, and, and just to, to back up, most firms and everyone jumps immediately to LinkedIn, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that makes sense in the sense of like, there's a culture for each network and the culture of LinkedIn is going to be more business oriented. So it makes sense. Okay, advisors, you should be on LinkedIn. But when you take a look at some of this data, I mean, Facebook is the 800 pound gorilla in the room. Facebook is the dominant player by far across all age brackets, you know, the under 45, the 45 to 65, and the over 65. Um, So you can't ignore Facebook. Now, in the under 45 category, you have a trend, uh, a growing trend here of of Instagram, right? And and we could see that one coming. I mean, for, you know, a younger demographic starting to use Instagram more and more. I mean, Facebook owns Instagram. There's a reason they purchase Instagram. Um, yeah, but you know, things like Snapchat or, or, or even TikTok, right. Or some of these newer, right. um, emerging apps, they really didn't show up here, but the, the main one is, I mean, you can't, you know, you can't get, get away from Facebook. Now, if I had to 
prioritize these? I mean, based on data and just honestly, based on experience working with advisors, I would say, hey, look, let's start with Facebook. Let's let's start there and make sure they have a good presence. And then let's do LinkedIn too. And then if you want to venture off and you maybe want to, you know, get into Twitter a little bit or you want to try Instagram, I think it's probably not a bad idea. Kevin, have you guys analyzed at all like the gap? I know you said that Facebook is is the most popular platform. Do you have any way of quantifying how popular it is versus LinkedIn or any of the other platforms? Yeah. So, I mean, basically, I mean, just the, the data here says that for the, you know, the under 45 category, 48% said Facebook is their preferred network of choice, 45 to 65, 57% said that, that Facebook was, wow. and then over 65, 55%. I mean, none of the other ones, you know, the other platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, were even close. I mean, again, the, the the closest one was for the under 45 category, 23% saying Instagram. So I, now that being said, it doesn't, I mean, I wrote a book on LinkedIn, right? Like I think LinkedIn for advisors is, is great. Um, and, and the reason being is the overall culture of that network, right? I can't go on Facebook, especially a Facebook personal account and start trying to sell people. Right, start trying to messaging message people and set up meetings. It just doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, and actually, it's going to be really off-putting. I can do some of that if I do it tastefully on LinkedIn. So that's why I feel like there's still a use case um, for LinkedIn. But just data-wise, I mean, again, Facebook is the main player here. They are the the monster that you know, and they have an and they have an amazing advertising platform. So what does this mean not only for advisors and what they should be doing about it. But when it comes to engaging with clients or prospects on Facebook, because we talked about how important that is, do you recommend an advisor doing that from a like a personal or a business profile? Or what are some of the things just, you know, high level that 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 you might use Facebook for? If, as you mentioned, LinkedIn is a business type platform, does that differ in terms of how advisors might engage with Facebook? Yeah, I think that's a great question. You know, when it comes to Facebook, you have the personal side and the business side. And my answer to kind of which one should you use is both. I mean, the, the I had an advisor come up to me after a presentation uh, down in St. Pete not too long ago. And uh, he said, hey, I, I listened to um, one of your podcasts. And this is like a couple of years ago. And you you recommended just on a strictly personal level to start connecting with clients on Facebook. I mean, no business whatsoever, right? And, and by the way, you know, obviously anything from a compliance standpoint, you'd have to run by your firm. But most firms, if there's no mention whatsoever in terms of what you do or what firm you work for or any business whatsoever, you should be able to have a personal Facebook, right? You start developing relationships with clients that is social, you should you can connect with them. So this advisor comes up to me and he was like, I just want to tell you, it's transformed the relationships that I've had with clients. And I was like, well, tell me more. Like he said, well, you know, it's interesting. He's like, because on just a personal level, I connect with them. I share stuff. I also engage with them. But what I find is that during our, our review meetings with clients now, they're asking me about, hey, I saw you took that trip to, to you know, St. Martin with your family. How did that go? What's going on? Or, hey, I know Johnny uh, is uh, playing baseball now. How's he doing? He's like, they got to know me as much as I got to know them because Facebook is the home of major life events. That's where people are posting things personally. Um, so it's really helped in terms of developing the personal side of a relationship. Now, on the other side of that, the business Facebook page. Um, the business Facebook page is a great way to humanize your brand 
But then also the, the biggest benefit, honestly, of having a business Facebook page is the ability to run ads um, and the ability to go in and start running some targeted ads to certain demographics designed to ultimately lead to, to leads and, and new business opportunities. Well, that makes a ton of sense. And I got to share with you, Kevin, it, it falls right in line with a lot of things that I do on a daily basis with my team, helping advisors engage people on emotional issues. And I think um, mm. I think you'd agree with this and that, you know, you get to share a social connection with someone, as you mentioned, somebody saw that you went on a trip or you bring it up to them or they noticed that, you know, you, you, or you notice that their child is in high school sports or something like that. And I think the temptation that advisors need to resist is they kind of know that now that I know this about this person, hey, this person has a kid and a youth involved in high school or middle school activity, 529 plan, right? We jump right to the product or to the sale. And that's where I think, you know, kind of social media, there's a thin line between cool and creepy. I have to be a little bit cautious, right, about my motives for do I really want to get to know this person? Or do I really want to get to know them just so I can position a product or service? I, I, I don't. I think we have to resist that uh, ability to jump ahead of the process, if you will. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and I love, I love what you just said. Like the difference between cool and creepy. <laughs> I think I want to, I want to use that. I like it. Um, <laughs> but, but it's, but yeah, it is. I and mean, if you're on a personal level. Um, you just have to be a normal human being and, and not try and jump into opportunities like that and just look at it as retention, look at it as loyalty, look at it as, you know, I, I'm, I'm deepening the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, on the business side of things, that's when you could be running ads to people on Facebook who just had a new child or grandchild, right? And that'd be maybe a colder audience. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, you're not, you're not necessarily going after existing clients with that um, kind of message. So I I like to kind of bifurcate the two a little bit. If you're, if you're going to keep it personal, keep it personal, just, you know, and and don't, don't cross that line or cross that boundary because eh, it makes people feel a little, uh, little, little icky, right? A little creepy. So let's talk about that business part of it then, because you mentioned you know, with a business profile, you get the ability to advertise. And I guess my question right off the top of my head is, do people really pay attention to those digital ads or do they see that it's an advertised post or whatever and kind of blow it off? Uh, what, what have you found there? Yeah, so we, we asked this in the, in the data as well. We asked the Apple, basically, have you engaged with an advertisement on social media, right? Uh, and in the over 65 category, 18% said yes. Uh, for in the 45 to 65 category, 42% yet said yes. And in the under 45 category, 62% said yes. Wow. So you can see that, you know, again, the younger trend, you know, is, is, is absolutely uh, that, that they do engage with it. I think it's just a matter of making sure that the, the ads are relevant to the audience. And that's what makes Facebook marketing so fantastic, frankly, is just the ability to go in and say, you know what, I want to target women who are going through a divorce, who live in these affluent zip codes, who've traveled recently, have a dog and like knitting. I mean, like the, the ability to zero in on your target market is, is unreal and to show them an ad that's relevant to them. Um, that's, I mean, frankly, for me, like that's what, that's what I engage with, right? Is when I see an ad that almost in a way spooks me a little bit because it knows so much information about me. 
So how would an advisor that doesn't know a whole lot about Facebook, other than maybe on the personal side of things, um, how would they get started like in this business area? Are there steps they need to take or what would you suggest? Yeah, when it comes to advertising on Facebook, it can feel a little daunting at first. And it's funny because we talk to advisors and we, and we run a lot of ads for advisors, but um, a lot of times they say, yeah, I'm, I'm, real, I'm familiar with ads. And I'm like, great, well, like talk to me about kind of how you use ads manager and, and, and the types of ads you run. And they said, well, I just boost posts. It's very different, right? Boosting a post is like ads light. It's like, oh, I hit boost and I throw in a few demographics and I, and I, and I run an, a quote unquote ad. We're talking about using Facebook Ads Manager and, and learning the types of objective-based advertising that makes sense for your, your goals. Like, what are your end goals? A good way to get started with that is to take Facebook Blueprint. It's a course that's offered through Facebook. Um, it's one that any of our social media managers here, they always have to complete that course. And it'll walk you through, soup to nuts, how to go about building ads. Um, and then once you get into it, there's some more advanced strategies, right? There's some, some really neat things that you can do, but that's where I would start without a doubt, Facebook Blueprint. Great, great. And, and one thing when it comes to marketing, I know you've talked to us about this concept of something called a lead magnet. What What is a lead, lead magnet and how is it used in, in digital marketing? Yeah, lead magnet is like a fancy term for I'm going to dangle this carrot out here and see if, you know, my prospect takes a bite. Like that's kind of what it is. And it could be could be anything. I mean, it could be a specific um, video. You know, it could be a white paper is probably the more traditional lead magnet. Um, we've run plenty of ads for advisors giving away physical books. I mean, an idea. Here's here's a really simple example of that. An idea that um, that we run all the time for advisors is giving away a book called The Five Years Before Retirement. It's a, it's a book. You can buy it on Amazon. And that's a heck of a lead magnet saying, hey, I'm going to give you a physical book, right? But in exchange uh -huh. for that, I'm going to target a specific audience and I'm going to require a lot of information, name, email, phone number, full address, right, in order to get that book. But now they're in my funnel. And they're also someone who's giving me some really good smoke signals that, retirement is on their brain if they're requesting a book that's called the five years before retirement, right? So a lead magnet is really anything that you're going to offer up in exchange for contact information, because then we're putting them into the quote unquote funnel. Sometimes I hate using the word funnel because I feel like it's overused, but you know, a more of a nurturing campaign, um, which could be, mm -hmm. you know, emails that you're sending, you're, you're messaging them. It could be phone calls. It could be, um, you know, inviting them to physical events right but but now you're you're nurturing that relationship yeah and i guess when it comes to these lead magnets you mentioned people are willing to exchange information is it something that people actually do or is it just like a, a tiny percentage of people that come across this stuff actually do provide useful information so breaking this down with the data the under 45 category, 61% said that yes, they've given their email in exchange for a quote unquote lead magnet. In the 45 to 65 category, 40% have. And then the over 65 category, 20% have. So again, the, the younger kind of trend is yes, I'm willing to give up that information in exchange for something valuable. You just have to make sure that it's valuable. And, and also, you know, you know, and I've seen advisors run ads before where they're giving away a white paper that's kind of lousy. Like you have to make sure that the the what they're going to get in exchange is 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 really is good, and um and because that's going to be part of your overall brand. 
Uh, and that, so like if I'm offering a physical book, well, that's really good. If I have my own book, that's even better. Um, if I, you know, have a white paper, it better be pretty in depth and it better be pretty good. If I'm offering an online class, it should be pretty thorough because that's going to impact your brand. Don't give away garbage, uh, just in it, just to collect emails. Um, that's, that's going to probably do the opposite effect. And then just a, a question to kind of close the loop here, which is once I get that information that's exchanged, do you find that there are uh, methods of follow-up that are more effective? Like, do I call that person? Do I shoot them an email? Uh, how soon after yeah. they share that info should I act? Kind of what would you say the etiquette would be there? Yeah. So you want to build some sort of nurturing strategy here. And so you think about lead capture, which is you're running the lead magnet and then lead nurture, right? Which is its own animal in itself. Um, I've seen, I've seen a lot of um, ways to go about this. I mean, there's an advisor I was working with down in Texas and we, we ran an ad giving away a white paper um, for this advisor's firm, you know, branded with this advisor's firm on social security, right? And we actually targeted people on Facebook who have been reading things about social security or have an interest in social security and are, and are right at that age um, where they're having to decide, you know, should I start collecting? And it, it's funny because we got, we had, I think the, the budget we put behind it was maybe just a couple hundred bucks. We had 30 or so leads from it. Um, and I say leads and use that term loosely just because Facebook's going to call it a lead if someone fills out their information in exchange for it. Right. And I got on the line with them and I said, um, Hey, so I know that, um, and we had not talked about nurturing. Like he just wanted to run an ad. We got it up and running pretty quick. And I said, Hey, uh, so out of the 30 or so leads, have you gotten a hold of any? And he said, um, Oh yeah, I talked to basically everybody. And I was like, what? Like, that's like so unheard of. Usually there's like maybe maybe 5% or 10% that actually respond in some way. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? And he said, well, oh, I call them like pretty much instantly. So the moment that he would get an email notification, which we set up for him. So like he get this email that said, you know, John Doe just downloaded this or requested this document and downloaded your social security guide. He said, I stopped everything I was doing if I could. And just picked up the phone and called them. And I know that seems creepy, right? It's like, wow. He's like, but. Um, I would have a good conversation with them. And then what I did from there is I said, hey, um, the guide is helpful, but if you want, you can come in the office, right? And, I, and we can talk through it and I can kind of game plan with you the ideal time to, to, or, or age to start collecting social security. And so out of those 30, he had eight that have agreed to come in for meetings with him. So wow. I think it's the, the speed at which he was doing it, which I thought was really interesting. Um, because, and, and you, it's true, if you call them the next day, they're like, who are you? Like, I don't remember downloading this, right? Um, but if you immediately respond, like immediately do it, and I, th I think that is um, th th that is the key. So whether it's an email or a phone call, um, you need to reach out or, or you know, and, and again, from a compliance standpoint, this is probably a very touchy subject, but text messaging, right? Um, mm -hmm. It's all about speed. Now, if they're not interested right now, that doesn't mean they're not going to be interested in the long term. So you also need to be thinking about like, are they in my newsletter now? Right. Um, did I connect with them on LinkedIn and message them via LinkedIn? So what you could do is basically put together a series of touch points that you could follow. Um, because you are going to have to nurture these things to your point, John. I mean, like you cannot just run this ad and expect that your phone's going to start ringing. Um, right. It's going to be now I captured this lead. I got to nurture it. But, but to answer your question, I think, I think speed is the key. 
Well, and speed, and I picked up on what you said there in your example, I think the ability to further personalize whatever it is that you were advertising or trying to educate them on. So I liked what Mm. you said about, hey, the manual is good. However, you know, everybody's different, has specific situations that you may have questions about. You know, if you'd like, you know, please let's let's talk sometime. Come into the office. I can review some of this stuff. I love the ability to further personalize the content uh, for each individual client. And you kind of screen out the people that are generally interested versus the ones that have a, a deep enough interest that they may actually take action. Right. Such a good point, right? So you have to think about how you're going to nudge them to the next step of the process, right? Not just, hey, you got it. So you want to, you know, you want to talk about your investments or you want to talk? No, it's like, what's the next nudge, right? What's the next step? I mean, that's a great point. Yeah. Well, Kevin, we're, we're running out of time on this episode. I'd like to ask you if you wouldn't mind joining me for the next episode, because I've got some more questions in the area of how consumers are finding advisors on some of these platforms. And and then lastly, for the advisors, kind of how do you start building an online presence and what that means? Would you be willing to come back and join me for the next episode? I'd love to do it. Well, that sounds great. Well, let's do it then. And uh, for all those listening today, again, you can find content about what we discussed today uh, and an advisor workbook at hartfordfunds.com code. Again, it's hartfordfunds.com dot com slash code. Thanks very much for listening. And we'll see you again on the next episode of the Human Centric Investing Podcast. This podcast is intended for use by financial professionals or in conjunction with the advice of a financial professional. It is intended to be educational in nature and should not be construed as individual investment advice or a recommendation or a solicitation to buy, sell, or hold any security or to adopt any investment strategy. It does not constitute legal or tax advice or fiduciary advice pursuant to ERISA rules. The views and opinions expressed herein are those of our featured guest who is not affiliated with Hartford Funds.